Saudi Arabia, what's happening over there where they chop up journalists? The, let's talk some Brexit issues no one cares about. And Lebanon is heading towards a default on its government debt. Why it happened and how to cure the problem. But finally, we're gonna talk with Jim Giratras about the anti-Russia sentiments in the world and how to deal with those things. This is today's episode of Hoff Profit, so check it out, hoffprofit.com slash podcast. Welcome my friends, how are you doing? I'm so happy to have you aboard. Um, yeah, well, uh, let's begin with Saudi Arabia. Um, as you know, Saudi Arabia uh, is a really weird country. Um, I think it's one of the few dictatorships and if the world should invade the country and I think Saudi Arabia should be high on the list. Uh, woman got raped. Oh yeah, it's her fault. She gets uh, punishment by hitting. Uh, every Friday after people leave uh, the mosque, they, uh, there is some uh, lovely de-heading on Chop Chop Square. So it's a really weird country. At the same time, they are financing the petrodollar and they are ongoingly pushing forward. So this country, uh, basically, the one third, around a third of the American weapon exports go to it, so you need it. And let's face it, uh, what you see now happening is that... Basically everyone is winning. Uh, Saudi Arabia got lost of a critical journalist, they don't give a damn. The consulate in, the, in Turkey got some new painting because all the blood is gonna be, has to be worked out and it's not really looking nice. So you paint it. Uh, Trump can say, well I stood up, the Erdogan can say I stood up and nothing really happened. I mean let's face it, if something happens, Saudi Arabia would simply say, well we are no longer buying your stuff, we will buy it from China and Russia the weapons. So. And what you see is in a broader light, and you see now that people are dealing with this the wrong way. It's time to go after Saudi Arabia, what they are doing in Yemen, all the terrible things that they are in. I mean, there's nothing good in the country. I mean, I, I'm not a really big supporter of Iran, but this country is uh, in Iran, they have some form of democracy. Yes, I know, it's a fake democracy, but with Ahmadinejad, they got the first populistic leader of the world. So, with that side, at least, something happened. Now, and it's just freaking that you see how people are dealing and, well, let's face it, if you're purposing and you're critical, you're not really liked. I mean, I also got the government in my arm uh, behind, uh, look, basically trying to prosecute me and shut me down, because speaking out and telling the truth is something that they don't like. It's not my fault. Okay, um, let's check Brexit. Um, we are heading towards Brexit and there are some things that we need to talk about. Uh, origin protected goods, so like Parmahan, Scottish whiskey are European. And after it, the British could go after and do it themselves. So they could say, we're going to make champagne from Dover. That's now not possible. And interestingly enough, those things, no one want to talk about it. But this could, this is, in my opinion, the big thing between Brexit and the deal. Because after Brexit, the UK could make a great trade deal for them with the United States. And they have the Kansuk partnership. That means that Canada, New Zealand, UK are uh, having a free trade deal. And they could simply go to every country in the world. Well, you want to make a free trade deal? We respect your laws. And your country, you respect our laws and our country. And they go after and then do just do it. And this, this would be, and this literally could mean the end of the European partnership. And what you see with European, Europe, they are literally now saying, well, it should be hard, leaving should be painful. Yeah, I don't know if that's painful. I mean, 
if you to give you an idea, the European Union has no free trade deal with China, but we got one with Ukraine. I mean, I have nothing against Ukraine, but I think I'd rather have a trade deal with China. I mean, well, actually, I'm just part of a trade deal with everyone. So just, I would say, grab, send all the letters, all the governments in the world a letter on alphabetic order, and every two weeks you go to a new letter, and then just get those trade deals out. It would be great for both. Now, and what the interesting field to notice is that. If this happens and the Oregon protected stuff is no longer needed, the, they could literally just go and sell it out. And it's just for me thinking what's happening and this should be the thing that could move the world forward. And let's face it, the European Union is as dead as a dodo, it's not working. And yes, there are things that you need to work together with. But working together does not mean forcing everyone with some terrible leftist social justice warriors to put other things in. I mean. There is no European solidarity. You see it now with Greece, you see it with Portugal, Spain, Italy. Um, it's not there, so why pretend it's there? Well, then have a big chat about Lebanon. Lebanon is gonna default on its government debt. That's clear. Um, there are big problems, and one of the problems is that they have a large portion of refugees, which basically no one cares for them. And it's basically party town. Beirut is the party town of the Middle East. Unfortunately, I can't get in. I would really like to visit it. Just so it was on my bucket list, but they don't let you, so it's not gonna happen. Well, what they should do, and what we could do to break things out, is that we are pushing forward and what they simply should do spend less privatize your companies and get the system working i know this is a weird idea and politicians don't like it but it is the thing to go forward if they do this then they could save it and simply leave the imf out i mean the imf has a bad track record and is not really delivering on its promises and with doing this and now even the imf and oecd two big government supporters are suggesting it we need to think about just abolishing them and do different things just because it's time for the world to move on to get proper things out and get the system working the nice way so with that side and if, yes i feel sorry European Union imposed completely global covering privacy laws, so it's the highest time for you to be transparent, unless you want to pay a 20 million euro fine. And yes, the European Commission is on a witch hunt, so get ready. So, check out GDRP compliance course on hofprofit.com slash GDRP. That's hofprofit.com slash GDRP. Since the beginning of time, gold has become real money. It is the money being used by the Aztecs, the Egypt, the Roman Empire. And central banks around the world still love gold. So why are you not ready for making from gold profits? Golden profits are there just because of the current trade wars, financial instability and geopolitical tensions. Gold is likely to go up and up and up. So check it out. Hofprofit.com slash gold 2018. That's Hofprofit.com slash gold 2018. WordPress offers you many great opportunities to build a great website, webshop and spread your message. If it's your blog, your, your desire to become financially independent, WordPress is there for you to help you. WordPress has many hidden, hidden features no one knows. So visit hofprofit.com slash WordPress for the WordPress training menu. at Russia it's at the moment really anti uh, the world is really to talking about how bad Russia is and we are pu and with this we are pushing Russia in the hands of China and it's time for the uh, thought it was time to have some 
good insights about it. So I got a former GOP advisor as a guest, and GOP stands for the Grand Old Party. So basically, the Trump's party, the Republicans. And I talked with Jim Jatras. Uh, I'm pretty sure I pronounced his name incorrect. So Jim, I'm already sorry saying uh, I'm sorry for that. And we just had a chat about it and how should we deal. So without further delay, here is today's exclusive interview. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, all the people aboard. Um, like we discussed before we start the interview, you are a former GOP MP on foreign policies, so you are on the payroll of the Republican Party, the Trump Party. No, no, the Republican Party. Yes, I'm part of the Republican Party. So I, was never, uh, I was never, I was never part of the Republican Party. I was part of the U.S. Senate and then worked on the Republican side. Okay, so I'm learned again. Um, I contacted you about talking about the anti-Russia sentiments right there, right out. So, what happened? Is everyone so focused on Russia Gate at the moment? Uh, unfortunately, I think there are several aspects to it. Part of it is domestic here in the United States. Let's remember that in 2016, uh, Trump ran on a very strong position of saying he wanted to improve ties with Russia. Um, it's interesting that he would say that because, honestly, it wasn't a big political issue. It's not like he said, oh, there's a big block of votes out there if I say that I'm going to try to work things out with the Russians. But he stuck to that position, and he, and he was very unique in that position uh, on the Republican side and on the Democratic side, too. I mean, Hillary and uh, Bernie are no friends of uh, detente with, with Russia. Uh, I think he genuinely wants to do that, but unfortunately that means that a huge uh, establishment that uh, whose bread and butter depend on uh, sharp tensions with Russia and who are part of this whole, I would say, almost like a, a, an American version of the old Soviet nomenclatura that only has one direction, and that's forward, uh, took great fright at this. And I think that's a huge part of why we have this whole Russiagate scandal and this charge of collusion against him, which has no... Uh, no substance to it. The other thing, of course, is uh, that I think has been insufficiently examined is the role of the British in this. Let's remember the Steele dossier, which kicked the whole thing off, originated in the United Kingdom with MI6. And, and these people, of course, have very close relationships with their partners in the American intelligence service, which is where this, I would call it an anti-constitutional criminal conspiracy takes place. So I think a lot of this is actually domestic politics within the United States and also in Great Britain and maybe other countries uh, that that don't want by any means possible to have any improvement of relations and want to keep expanding NATO, keep deploying forces in the Baltic states and Russia's uh, right around Russia's borders and to push them to the wall, always more sanctions. And, uh, you know, it, 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 there, there doesn't seem to be any 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 way to get out of this. Uh, I think Trump is completely trapped by by this uh, campaign and even by his own appointees. That's interesting that anyone is so Russia because from energy perspective, the U.S. depends on Russia, especially uranium and the enrichment of the uranium. And I would always say it's not a smart move to have two countries who can simply kill the world a few times. And so that before you send look, just a few rates. Well, it's, uh, it, there's nothing separate, but unfortunately, in the post-Cold War period, we developed, and there was an article by uh, uh, William Crystal and Kagan, who are the biologists, there's a 1996 called Porto Ignite and specifically called into the little chimney, the United States chimney, and he said if the Russians and Chinese don't like it, we should take that as a compliment. 
And I think they had notion that with the disposal of the other superpower, it was not the United States to become the unipower, the global hyperpower. I did not oppose the Soviet Union because I wanted my own country to turn into the Soviet Union. Well, either an element of that, it, it's you know, a kind of a, an increasingly socialist direction conducted with crony capitalism and corporatism, mm -hmm. uh, so that you have this uh, establishment that's very, very close tied to the government, whose interests are in also I would include the media establishment, the IT establishment, uh, a few uh, months ago, a piece called How U.S. Media Serves a Transmission Belt for Wars of Choice, that I think there really is, uh, what the deep say here, but how it relates to the private sector, that really is the American people, and uh, help to reinforce these policies, certainly do not make Americans safer or more prosperous, and I don't think they do much for the rest of the world either. So, having that said, it's just brief, oh, uh, really freaky. Well, I was just trying to see the, the comments and the questions from some little problem. But I'm just with Russia and China moving to Arkansas now. Will they? When will they take join over the Russia from US? I don't think that's their intention, to tell the truth. Um, if it is, I think we'll run into the same problems that we have run into in trying to dominate the world, and maybe they would have a falling out between themselves, which is what you would expect to happen. I don't think they want that. I think what they wanted, and certainly Russians so far, with Trump's election, would be like uh, a, a, more, uh, a more gradual, peaceful shift to a multipolar world, where the United States probably still be the leading power, but we would be the, the first among equals. I would say rather... Uh, like the position that Britain had during the concert of Europe in the 19th century, which, as we recall, was the most extended period of peace on the continent, that even major shocks like the, the Crimean War or the Franco-Prussian War did not result in a general conflagration mm -hmm. between the Napoleonic Wars and the First World War. And I think that that would be, in the language of classical diplomacy, where you have stable spheres of influence, and we don't step on the Russians and Chinese toes, and they don't step on ours, I think that would be uh, maybe a stable tripod for, for a more peaceful global order, but that's not what the establishment in Washington wants. And but why don't they want this? It suggests that they want to have the bread and butter and keep the own things going? Because what you said just I, makes I, sense. I, I, think, I think there are a couple of elements to it. I think sometimes people put it only in those terms, and I think that is a huge element of it. I mean, if you look around the Washington suburbs and see all what they call McMansions everywhere, that money comes from somewhere. But I think there's also an ideological side of it, is that just as the Soviet Union was the champion of peace, progress, and socialism, we're the champion of uh, democracy, human rights, and free markets as we define them and control them. And uh, I think there is a kind of an ideological thing. I, I've noticed how many of the foundations that are supported by, by the United States, by European governments, by George Soros, etc., all have this kind of... Uh, 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 liberal, secular, post-Christian morality that they peddle is, 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 you might say, the social software that goes along with transatlantic dominance. So I do think there's an ideological aspect to it as well, and I think that's another reason, you know, it's very peculiar. Some people assume our hostile rush is just post-hangover. We, we haven't discovered it's not the Soviet Union. Everybody else thinks it would be they didn't like their methods so much, mm -hmm. but they, they liked the idea of that ideology and emerged as kind of a conservative Christian country. They really hated that. They, they thought of that as a kind of betrayal. And I think that's a huge part of the motivations of our establishment here. That's shocking. I mean, I would say that uh, the state desk of the U.S. government would be full of people who are just anti-communist. Well, you just said you were the only one there. So 
That's shocking. Well, I'm talking about the professional diplomatic corps. Uh, no, you had very, very few people. I think that was one of the great clarifiers when the Soviet Union ended it in the at the uh, in 1991 is how many of the people who uh, acted and talked as anti-communists were simply anti-Russian. They weren't anti-communists at all. Look, you even have people like this big Brzezinski who says in so many words that socialism and communism are 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 perfectly good ideologies. The only bad thing about them was Russia. Well, okay. Some people can say that I would just point out to the situation of Venezuela and say, not really the proper thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, but it's an easy, it's an easy goal, it's an easy fame point to make. I mean, sure, dying there is not really what we like. So, if you look at the media who is literally talking everyone in a war and taking a huge anti-Trump side and talking about an anti-China and anti-Russia side, especially anti-Russia. How could you clarify this, and especially with the competition that they got from the Russian-financed RT? Um, I, I, you know, it's it's interesting. If you look back during the Cold War, during the time of the old Soviet Union, uh, people in the Soviet Union and the other communist bloc states uh, were very skeptical about their own media. They knew they were government control. They knew they mostly told lies. So they used to what they we say what they triangulated. They listened to the media for whatever clues were in there. They had Samizdat, which was illegal self-publishing. They had the foreign radio voices, which gave them another perspective, also somewhat biased. And you try to guess through the muddle where the truth might be. And I think the internet, to a great extent, performs that function. And also, I would say that foreign media. Uh, for us, perform that uh, that that uh, that function as well. This is why you have groups like, say, the Ron Paul Institute or Antiwar.com or Zero Hedge or other alternative media picking up from Alt RT, Al Jazeera, and so forth. Because if if you're going to get a bunch of lies from the government through your own uh, establishment media, you need to compare it to other things, even if they, you can't fully trust them either. Because they have their own agenda, so I think uh, there there's a necessity to to make some critical comparisons from whatever sources are available, including alternatives. But this is also, by the way, why we see an increasing tendency of the uh, the um, the uh, IT companies, together with the government, to try to shut down alternatives, to try to designate every dissenting view as a Russian bot, or to say that this is all Russian invasion of the uh, of the uh, social media uh, so that they can use it as an excuse to try to censor it. Well, it's shocking. I mean, you would say that free speech is one of the things that the United States is built around. And then just... Well, you know. get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not an American passport holder, so... Well, no, but to tell yeah. the truth, uh, I think actually we're in... in, uh, in, in w you're in worse shape than we are. Because in Europe, there's a much stricter regulation of hate speech... Mm -hmm. Then there is the United States. You can go to jail for hate speech. We can't, at least not yet. Not yet, I would say. And, and the thing is, what, with this dovetailing of so-called Russian influence with hate speech, mm -hmm. racism, whatever. Of course, anything they want to call fascism is fascism because they say so. Is with this dovetailing of hate speech with Russian influence in the in the establishment line, they're using this as a hook. To try to shut down media, and I think you're 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 in as much trouble as we are. Oh, definitely, I have a really terrible relationship with the city over here, and I contacted the press division. Hey, I'm gonna do the podcast. Uh, I want to get your press releases, 
and they were so happy to send me them that I have to thread the, I literally had to make the thread from Iconocentral Reprojection Agents and serve you and bring you to court within a month, get me your bloody press releases. It's just insane. And the other fans... Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, the, as you say, the, this this concept of free speech uh, in, in terms of a liberal order in the, in the good sense, the old-fashioned sense, that we used to all depend on, where uh, we, we don't have blasphemy laws anymore. Well, actually, we kind of do in some places, because if you insult a certain other religion, not Christianity, I don't want to name, uh, you can get in trouble in some countries and uh, actually go to jail. So, you know, whoever heard of these things before a few decades ago? But we are no longer, increasingly, we are no longer really free people. Oh, and yeah, I always consider it interesting that people say from that... You have the right to say bad to say bad things about groups, but then they come with a long list of groups that's not like I am party sided. You cannot say bad things about party sided. You cannot say bad things about Jews. Well, I got next next to my Dutch also an Israeli citizenship, and I was just thinking from sure. why not uh, countries do thing do are doing things wrong. Every country has good and bad things. Just name it. it well, because because there, there some groups, if you criticize them, it's not criticism; it's hate. And of course, hate is now increasingly considered a criminal concept. It's a really terrible thing to look about it, but you have a lot more opportunities to broadcast yourself, like YouTube, I do this podcast, social media. Well, in the past you had just, well, at least here in the Netherlands, every group or society had its own public broadcasting organization. It was now much more easy to come with different views and perspectives, like you and I, we never met. I drop your email and now we are chatting for an interview. Exactly right. And that's that's as it should be. And I think that's one of the things we have to fear, because if there is a chilling effect, if there is an attempt to, try, uh, and I think there is, to try to reduce these uh, possibilities for networking and getting independent sources of information, that I think that then goes to the benefit of the people who do control the establishment, who, in my opinion, have a very militant and warlike uh, agenda that uh, if it goes wrong, I think I think could destroy us. Look, I don't think th some people think these people want war with Russia. I don't think so. I don't think they're that crazy. But I think unfortunately they think they can treat Russia like some pipsqueak little country like Serbia or Libya or Iraq or Syria, and all we have to do is tighten those sanction screws and destroy their economy and destroy their financial system, and they'll have regime collapse. And then we'll get some puppet reinstalled like we had with Yeltsin in the 1990s. I think that's what they think will happen. Mm -hmm. Or if they think at all, maybe they don't think about the outcomes. They just say, Russia's bad, let's punish them. And they don't think about where that's going to lead us eventually. Well, you worked uh, at the government, so at the Russia desk. Was the government any, have any did some actions against the country or ready planning what came, what came after the actions? Like we took down uh, Gaddafi in Libya, and I'm not a supporter of Gaddafi, but I think that the situation now is not really that great in Libya. Uh, that's that's the rumor going yeah, around, yeah, and uh, and of course these people these people who uh, who talk about uh, the evil dictator Assad in Syria. Uh, so who do they want there? They want ISIS. Do they want Al Qaeda. Who do you think the opposition is? Uh, you know, I've I've known many people from Syria here in the United States who were not necessarily all before the war started, but they certainly are now because the only thing between them and especially for the Christians of Syria and uh, e either being killed or driven into exile or being enslaved is for the victory of the Syrian government with Russian support. That's the, that's the cruel fact of the matter. 
those are your choices. You don't get necessarily a third choice because you want no one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you wonder what it is these people have in mind if they believe their own propaganda or if they're simply acting as tools of, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia or Israel or Turkey or whoever else wants to get rid of the Syrian government. And the interesting field about the Syrian government is because your President Obama and also here in the Netherlands, politicians said, uh, Assad has to go. Well, for Sarasi, he has won the war. It's well, that's right, and uh, it's you know <laughs> they're gone. He's still yeah. here, and uh, but I don't think they've quite given up yet either. I mean, we saw just in the last few weeks this uh, game of what was we say game of chicken. Uh, who's going to blink first in the Eastern Mediterranean between the Russians on the one side and the Americans and the British and the French mm -hmm. on the other over yet another. Uh, a claim that the Syrian government had used chemical weapons. And, of course, having looked at the previous episodes where that claim was made, I, th I think it's highly unlikely the Syrian government used chemical weapons and very likely that uh, the, the terrorists mm -hmm. did uh, as, as a false flag. I can't prove it, but I think there's good reason to believe it. And uh, the, the, I think the cynicism, the lengths these people are willing to go in order to say, let's hit the Syrian government, maybe let's kill Assad, let's hit Russian forces. The for former head of the acting head of the CIA said we should be assassinating Russian and Iranian personnel in Syria. Sure, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, it, it's amazing how reckless these people so are. Begin, I, I don't know Putin, Vladimir Putin himself, but I don't think that he's a person that likes the idea that uh, people kill his uh, people. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that they like it. Well, there was an episode. There was an episode. Uh, I, I guess uh, maybe nine months ago. I'm trying to remember what it was near Deir Ezzor, which was, as you know, surrounded by ISIS forces for like three years before it was liberated by Sir Syrian forces. And now we have this uneasy uh, line of confrontation between the Syrians and the Russians on the one side, and the Kurds and the Americans on the other side. There was an incident mm. where. Uh, some some uh, Syrian forces with Russian contractors crossed over in an area where the Americans didn't think they should be, and we killed at least dozens, some people say hundreds, of Russian uh, citizens. And if you listen to the people in the news here in America, they think it's the greatest thing that happened. We, we taught them a lesson. If they won't fool with us, we'll just keep killing them if that's what they want. It's uh, it's a, Look, I remember the old days. Mm -hmm. During the, the first Cold War, when American and Soviet forces were very, very careful never to have a direct confrontation, because there was a great fear if there was a direct U.S.-Soviet confrontation and things went wrong, we don't know where it would lead. It couldn't be controlled. That, that reluctance doesn't exist anymore, at least on the American side. You know, my father was the Air Force attache in Moscow during the time I was at the Soviet desk at the State Department. So we knew this operation very well from both sides and from, from the both military and diplomatic side. It's uh, reckless and very dangerous in my opinion. I mean, yes, it uh, could go wrong, probably go wrong. But that's just uh, really, really scary if you think about it. Well, and that's the other thing that uh, for you as a European, that I think you all need to think about. We've all heard, for example, about the sanctions that uh, the Americans want to put on uh, companies that participate in Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Germany. Also, the sanctions we're going to put on uh, Europe and, and the rest of the world over purchases of Iranian 
oil and Europe is talking about setting up a what they call a special purpose vehicle or a clearinghouse in order to conduct financial transactions with Iran. And this would be in cooperation with the Russians and the Chinese. Well, Washington is absolutely infuriated about this mm -hmm. because they see this as a step of Europe decoupling from American dominance to have a more uh, more active partnership with the Russians and the Chinese, and we're going to do everything possible to stop it. That sounds uh, to me as a first signal of a new American invasion in Europe. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's so much of an invasion, but holding on to a, an occupied territory we already invaded. <laughs> well, don't don't get any big ideas about becoming independent. And as far as this this uh, special purpose vehicle, um, I don't see what's going to stop the U.S. Treasury Department from simply sanctioning the vehicle and then putting sanctions on any company that does does business with it. So I I'd be very very surprised if Europe actually shows the courage and the uh, wisdom to try to break away from American domination because uh, to, not to put too fine a point on it, your 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 political leaders are, are worthless and weak. They're afraid of the Americans. They're even more afraid of Washington than the members of the Warsaw Pact were of Moscow back in the old days. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I always hate sick-making what's happening in politics. That's one of the reasons <laughs> that uh, I'm happy with two citizenships and in a few months' time I'm on the other side of the world. What is your other citizenship? Hitler. Oh, really? That's yes. right. You mentioned yes, that. I yes, I Since just over a year, so it's always uh, really handy. And I applied for an uh, Vanuatu one. Or I have to... Well, really? The Vanuatu one. The paperwork will go out on Saturday. Which one is that? Vanuatu. Oh, Va Vanuatu. Yeah. Oh, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> With the ID. I hear it's nice. Uh, it's nice. They have no income tax, no corporate tax. Really nice weather, but the more important reason, when things go wrong, they are so far away in the bloody middle of nowhere. You have a tiny chance yeah, of survival. I, I, heard, I heard that from somebody from Germany recently who got uh, citizenship in Chile and is getting all set up down there. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you look at what's happening, it's not really that nice in Europe. It's uh, sick. Mechanism. It's sad. So sad. It is really sad, but to get uh, one listener question out, um, what's the potential of an alliance between the Russia and the United States and other countries like China, India and Japan to address the global financial crisis, solve the problems and come to something like a new Bretton Woods agreement? It's a listener's question. Uh, I, I think the short answer is the, the prospects are not very good because uh, it, um, you know, I don't know your favorite called FACA, Foreign Tax Compliance Act. This is American law. I'm from, I have a background in tax evasions. Don't worry. Yes, well, I, I, among worry. my other activities for the last few years, I've run something called repealfatca.com because this is one of the key tools of American dominance of the, the, the global financial system and sanctions against a country that basically doesn't allow its financial system to be run by U.S. Treasury. Um, I don't think I don't think the American establishment, the American nomenclature, knows how to let go. I don't think we can imagine a global financial system that's not dominated by the U.S. and by the petrodollar. And by the way, I'm only wondering if that's what's behind all this this noise about Saudi journalists and Hamid bin Salman. That uh, apparently there was talk between Riyadh and Beijing about what they call a petro yuan instead of a petrodollar, and uh, Washington doesn't like that very much. Well, at all, the Chinese only basically. If you want to sell your oil to them, then they say you pay your money. Exactly. Sure, and that's the direction of things moving. I don't know enough about finance. This is more your record. Basically, some regional financial system that's based on fiat currency and the U.S. federal reserve. 
is private hands and it's not really in a doing a great job in uh, no it's not and uh, and that's one of the funniest things if you ask most Americans about the Federal Reserve they don't know very much about it I mean this isn't really part of the government it's not responsible to anybody if you think about it and they control the money they control the interest rates they can basically say well we want to create pressure we can uh, call in all the loans to banks so all the banks go down everyone's money is gone and you're not subject to any law no one has anything to say about you it's a dictator. Yeah, and, and if you and if you uh, object to anything, you're against democracy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that's all for me. <laughs> I earlier interviewed Tone. He's a Canadian libertarian, and he just said, "From well, you don't get elected if you have integrity." I, I, honestly, and and that's actually one of the pro- you know people in America will talk about. But we need a third party and all that other other sort of thing. The trouble is, is unlike Europe, where third parties can start and eventually become competitive. In the political system, you look at, the, for example, the rise of, say, AFD in Germany, or you look at uh, La Lega, the five-star movement in Italy that came out of nowhere to suddenly be in power. That can't happen in the United States. The two established parties have such a lock on the political system, the way the almost the way the, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union held on to their political system, except we have two established parties who pretend to fight with each other rather than one party. That's why the only prospect for change is an insurgency within one of the parties. We saw that Bernie Sanders in 2016 and also Trump. Uh, Sanders got pushed by the Democratic establishment, but Trump somehow managed to break through. That's why there's so much effort now to try to sabotage his presidency and make sure he can't make any fundamental changes. And what's your viewpoint on Trump and making fundamental changes? Would it be good? I think it would be good. I think it would be on balance good. I I don't know entirely what he has in mind, at least on on the financial side, but in terms of three major things where he committed heresy against the establishment on trade, on on immigration, and on foreign policy, where he said, let's get get along with the Russians and let's get out of all these wars. I think those are the three, three that he crossed the line that the establishment can't stand. Uh, He said over and over again, I want to get out of Syria. I want to get out of Afghanistan. I want to get out of Korea. And the very people he's appointed keep keep surrounding him, telling him why he can't do that. And my concern is if the Democrats take control of the House of Representatives next month, which they very well might, that means he will be so thoroughly besieged that he won't be able to do much of anything. And they'll just sort of wait out his presidency, and the establishment will retake control at that point. And I would say if that happens, uh, the prospect of a major war at that point almost becomes unavoidable. Uh, unfortunately, I have to agree on your final comment on that war. I decided to set a place somewhere in the bloody middle of nowhere. Nowhere is good. <laughs> They're basically n- nowhere. No one is interested. Why should you go invade it? Just sail around and fish yourself. There you go. Yeah. Uh, any final comments and thoughts about uh, what's happening in the United States and the uh, Russia-U.S. relationship? Any energy dependence from Russian uranium? And I, I can't. Uranium? I can't say that much about Russian uranium. I, I will say this: You remember there's been this whole scandal over the so-called uranium one deal and Hillary's having signed off on the. Uh, the, the purchase of a Canadian company that controlled a lot of Russian uranium. And everybody says, well, this was the attempt by the Russians to get mm-hmm. their hands on all of our uranium. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Maybe maybe that was part of it. But I think the main reason was is that it provided a vehicle for, for uh, contributing a whole lot of money to the Clinton Foundation to basically buy influence with the person they were sure was going to be the next president. 
that if you look at the Clinton Foundation, you have a lot of money from the Saudis, the Emiratis, the Ukrainians, uh, the Chinese, all sorts of people. And I think the Russians want to buy uh, a seat at the bar uh, with, uh, with everybody else who is going to have a hand in the next administration. Uh, I, I'm not sure where, where the uranium fits in. The idea that the Russians need more uranium for themselves is ridiculous. I mean, they're right next to Kazakhstan, the world's leading producer. So uh, it's, you know, they don't need our uranium. If they're trying to sort of control our market in it, perhaps you're right. Maybe that's part of their motivation. But you know, there are an awful lot of things with the Russians we should be talking to them about. For example, all these claims about they're meddling in our election processes. The Russians came to us and say, well, look, we didn't do that, but if you're concerned about it, let's have a negotiation over what the terms are for political non-interference in each other's countries. And the State Department said, oh, no, because that means we couldn't promote democracy in Russia, which means uh, blatantly interfering in their political affairs, and even, as we know, stealing election, an election in 2000, excuse me, in 1996. So it's uh, we, we don't even hide the fact that we stole an election in 1996 in Russia. No, that's it. I mean, that's a really interesting part. I had a debate about it with a journalist. He is living in the U.S. and he, is re he was really supporting Bernie. And I was saying, well, the problems in the U.S. are so big, you need an outsider. Give Trump eight years to have fun. And we had a debate about it. And I was around the Radio 1 mm -hmm. fake news uh, thing. And I just said to him, realize one thing. Half of your enriched uranium... Mm -hmm. Comes from Russia. Half. So if if they, if Putin really want to go angry and there is a physical shortage of enriched uranium, simply don't the U.S. Your nuclear powers go on. Sure, off. and there and there are lots of things like that that yeah. you know we keep slapping all these sanctions and uh, whatnot on Russia, and they don't really respond. They don't really come back and say, okay, if that's the way you want to play, no more uranium for you. They don't do that. No, so that's the interesting part and. On the geopolitical side, it's really yeah. interesting to see what they are doing. And that you see everyone is talking about climate change. No one is building new enrichment factories. We have a shortage of enrichment right. capacity globally. I see... I well, uh, now, how, how far above sea level is Vanuatu? Uh, <laughs> well, I, here's a hint. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> move to Maldives. No, I know. Actually, a friend of me is working there, and he tried to sell me an <laughs> island, which was just the highest point was 60 centimeters of sea level. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him, what the hell should yes, I do he with Yes, he said, I, I'm offering to sell you an island, but I warn you, there's a time limit on the offer. <laughs> and yeah. on the island. <laughs> <laughs> Both, yeah. I must admit, the island was not expensive, only 200. Oh, well, there you go. So there was something fun. I don't trust this. <laughs> what happened? I don't trust it. No, okay, um, are there any words? And where can the listeners find out more information about you? Uh, well, I'm very active on Twitter. Obviously, that's where we found each other. So if they go to at uh, Jim Jaffers on Twitter, I'm easy to make contact with. I'm generally pretty responsive. And uh, there's really not much else to say about me, I don't think. Okay, I will uh, link to the show notes page. Are there books or blogs that need to be promoted? Actually, I'll, I'll look forward to sending it around as soon as I get it. Okay. Okay. Do so because okay. thank you so much. European Union imposed completely global covering privacy laws, so it's the highest time for you to be transparent, unless you want to pay a 20 million euro fine. And yes, the European Commission is on a witch hunt, so get ready. So.
So check out GDRP compliance course on hofprofit.com slash GDRP. That's hofprofit.com slash GDRP. Since the beginning of time, gold has become real money. It is the money being used by the Aztecs, the Egypt, the Roman Empire and central banks around the world still love gold. So why are you not ready for making from gold profits? Golden profits are there just because of the current trade wars, financial instability and geopolitical tensions. Gold is likely to go up and up and up. So check it out hofprofit.com slash gold 2018. That's hofprofit.com slash gold 2018. WordPress offers you many great opportunities to build a great website, webshop and spread your message. If it's your blog, your, your desire to become financially independent, WordPress is there for you to help you. WordPress has many hidden, hidden features no one knows. So visit hofprofit.com slash WordPress for the WordPress training menu. Oh, what do you say about that one? It's a great story, uh, interesting insights, and you can expect, of course, a lot more of those things. This is why you need to sign up for it. It's really interesting to see. I mean, there are a lot of things happening, and I'm really afraid that this will go wrong one moment. And the reason that I say so is just that safety thing that you try to de-escalate. You try not to piss each other off, to say it's brutal, and that's something that is gone. And you see where the economies around the world, we are now heading toward the bust of the older cycles, stocks are down, it's just really scary in the world. So on that side, you need to think about this, you need to prepare for it, and get ready for that one. And with that, I'm gonna salute you, I will talk to you tomorrow, and I would say cheers! Hey, it's Lodewijk. I'm really happy that you took the time to listen this moment to my podcast. I'm honored. I'm pleased with it. And I respect your choice for your life. Because you made a choice. You made a choice for success. But please keep a few moments for yourself. First of all, this is a disclaimer. So it's all the legal stuff. But for any penny you invest, please take the time. Take as much time that you make that you need to make the money to invest before you invest and literally go sit go from your desk wherever you're gonna make the investments wherever you're gonna do it you're gonna stand up and stand up and look at that empty chair and just ask yourself five five questions five terrible questions about the investment decisions you're gonna make it's your money, so be wise with it. The information in this podcast is not intended to be true, it's not to be it's not an advice. We don't sell or recommend anything. We just talk it's general information and please and from the deepest of my heart, I mean it means a lot to me that you are listening to the show. But please just treat your money smartly. You're here because you want to get ahead of life, not you because you want to lose. So take your time. You're no profit makers are decision makers, but decision makers and especially profitable and decision makers are informed decision makers. So let's go and let's move a step ahead, one tiny baby step at a time. We are profitable decision makers.